everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. My most successful launch of that coaching program at the time, I was literally wearing Georgia because she was like six weeks old. And I didn't do it to be inspirational. I was doing it for survival, but it wound up inspiring a lot of people of like, if this woman can do this, so can I. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. We've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed. Whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training, we love to motivate others to take that big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And as we know, it's just part of the process. And today we're learning from sales expert Ryan Dowdy. Ryan is the owner of Social Sellers Academy, where she helps seven and eight figure CEOs generate daily sales on demand without more of their time by building and training high performing sales teams. Ryan is passionate about helping successful business owners take back control of the revenue in their business, their time, and their freedom. She's on a mission to change the lives of CEOs by giving them back their time, financial peace, and the ability to multiply their revenue. Ryan, welcome to Hustle & Gather. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. I know Courtney said when we were reading it, she's like, we need to hire this person. We need to hire Ryan. We need our time back. (laughs) (laughs) We're there. We're in the seven to eight figure CEO that doesn't have time. We have no time. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know a lot of them that do, if I'm on it. (laughs) Okay. Well, we are so excited to have you. And we just saw you yesterday for your podcast. Yes. So we're excited to continue the conversation. But we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and kind of where, like, what led you to start your own business? Yeah. So if you take it all the way back, I actually never intended to be an entrepreneur. I started in sales right out of college, which was actually an accident as well. I studied PR in college and I interned in a PR firm in Manhattan. And I was like, this is amazing. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, then I moved to Orlando, Florida. And there's not nearly as many PR firms in Orlando, Florida as there is in New York City. (laughs) So as you can imagine, I struggled to find a job. And, but I landed a sales job because those were plenty. And I kind of learned that sales and PR were extremely similar, except for when somebody said yes in sales, you got paid commission. And I was like, ooh, this is fun. So I was off to the races. I started selling radio advertising at the age of 21 and stayed there for a long time. Basically, I've sold any form of marketing that has ever existed. I believe that to be true um, to date. <laughs> to date, I'm sure at some point something's going to happen that I haven't done yet. But So I I grew up in that space, again, never intended to be an entrepreneur, had one of those like moments. It was 2017. I just had a baby. I was back to work. I was director of sales for digital marketing agency. I was growing my own team. We were a $4 million business. Everything was great. And I was like, this isn't awesome. (laughs) Like it's, it's supposed to feel different, right? Um, When you find your dream job and all these things are good. So I just went on a, a escapade of talking to people and was introduced to entrepreneurship, specifically online entrepreneurship, where you could leverage your intellectual property and your skills and all these things. 
because to me, entrepreneurship meant like what I knew and the clients I supported, right? It was brick and mortar. It was, it was product-based. It was all this other stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't have those skills, (laughs) but I do know a lot about sales. And what I learned, this was before the great resignation had a name that women were leaving the corporate world in droves. They were in similar situations to me, didn't necessarily want to, you know, leave working altogether, but wanted to work on their own terms. But the problem was sales was not their strong suit. It was not something they had learned to do, something they had been taught to do. In fact, most female entrepreneurs, I find, have a very unhealthy relationship with sales and kind of hate it, which is not a good thing um, for the revenue driver in your business. So my first adventure in entrepreneurship was a program. We called it the Uncensored Sales Accelerator. And our tagline was that we helped high-achieving women leave their nine to five. Did that for two years, literally helped dozens of women quit their day jobs, come home, take back control of their time, make as much money, if not more, you know, than they were making in their corporate jobs. And through that, had hired a business coach and uh, she and I, her business was blowing up at the time. And she knew that I'd trained sales teams in my corporate life. And so she was like, Hey, I need to hire six salespeople this summer. I don't have time to train them. Can you train them for me? So I just came in as a consultant to train her team. And through that social sellers Academy was born when people were asking like, Hey, that's amazing. You have this sales team. How do you train these people? How do you have time to do that? Sales isn't my superpower. And so social sellers Academy was born and here we are. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, there's so many, I have lots of questions. <laughs> yeah. But I think my first question that you, when you said that females have an unhealthy relationship with sales, I feel I, that I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Like what you have found and, mm-hmm. and why you think that is. So when we first started the business, we, um, we had a Facebook group and we would ask people what they thought of when they thought of sales. Like that was one of the entry questions to the Facebook group and the answers guys that we got was mm-hmm. slimy gross, use car salesmen, manipulative, annoying, pushy, salesy, greedy, like all of, there was not a positive word in there really um, (laughs) about sales. So most women think that in or like we have this terrible connotation of what sales is, what it means, how to do it. So that's what I mean by unhealthy relationship. It was just this thing that there was a lot of resistance in doing, you know, most people I found have been sold to in a way at some point in time that did not feel good to them. And therefore they were like, I don't want to do that. If that's selling, mm-hmm. I don't want that. And so it, you know, then the narrative starts and the story starts. And I mean, we saw a lot of that. I still see a lot of that, even in sales reps who are hired in sales jobs. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that the rise of like that, uh, kind of multi-level marketing, like the MLM groups, uh, mm-hmm paved that relationship a little bit? Cause that does target more women than it does men. You're thinking, talking about like, like Rodan and Fields. Are you saying this, it paved it in a positive way? Or no, you like in a, in a negative way, way, because we've all had that. Hey right. girl, text <laughs> or message. We, we do our, our role was no, no, Hey girl messages. We were not, yeah. we did not teach that. That was not a thing. I think that that was part of it for some women mm-hmm. that they were like, again, if that's what I have to do, but like I found even in my sales story, because one of the exercises we would have people do is they'd have to, they'd write the word sales on the top of a piece of paper. And it was just brain dump all the things that come up. And sometimes the MLM space and direct sales space would come up, but it would go like way back. Like the salespeople that used to call your house in the middle of dinner when you were a mm-hmm. kid and what your parents said about it. Or, you know, when your dad told, I, I mean, I very specifically remember I went to buy a car when I was, I don't know, 22. And I was living in Orlando, Florida. My parents live in Kansas city. And my card like broke down for like the last time. I was like, dad, we're, we're done here. I need to go buy a car. And he was like, do not go to the car dealership alone. Take somebody with you. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm going to try to take advantage of you. And they're going to try to talk you into something you don't need. And da, 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 all this other stuff. 
I didn't listen. And I went to the car dealership alone and I was very proud of the deal I negotiated. But for most people, that is what we were taught. You know, don't do that. You don't want to do that. And so you think of the things that we buy every day, you think of insurance sales and, you know, car sales and all those different things. It was, you know, telemarketers calling your house. So it, it so I think it even precedes the, the MLM direct sales movement, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I so totally true. agree with that. But I, I love that because I do think that people do have an unhealthy connotation with sales, but yet everybody wants to sell a product. Like if you have a business, you're selling something. Like oh, regardless of what type of business it is, it's sales, right? Nice. So if you don't have sales, no one's buying your product. No one's buying your building. No one's buying your, you know, your mm-hmm. mental prowess. None of it. You have to sell all of it. Yeah. But yeah, everybody has this very negative thought about but, salespeople. Yeah. And I and I think it's really interesting because I, I think that I, I do. I think the hey girl messages are getting less and less. because People are realizing that's not the way to sell it. But sure. it's so interesting. Like every time that you get on Instagram or something and you're like, oh, my God, I love this lipstick. Like we do our our what we're digging this week. And we all these like these products that we love, like whether it's like a handheld vacuum, whether it is like listening to a new song, like whatever the reason is. It's like, hey, this is like, we're totally vibing with this this week. And we're basically selling that product. We're not making any money off the product, but that because people love to sell what not they yet. believe in. Right? Mm-hmm. People love to sell what they believe in and what I they I would love. like to mention that Dana does buy her hair products. I do. From, from an, an MLM. MLM. I do because I love them. <laughs> she They're so does. wonderful. <laughs> so as she's disparagingly talking about I'm that. I'm not disparagingly talking about I'm just it. saying she does actually participate. In I'm that. just saying, I think it's getting better, but I, I'm I'm just saying like if I, I think that everyone has been turned off at a yeah. time by someone randomly right. cold reaching out to you. And I think that there was a time, and I think it was, you know, five to 10 years ago where that well, that's all you got. Like you had right. to talk to a girl from high school the first time they messaged you. It's like, hey, do you want to buy some Rodan and Fields? I'm like, no, I don't want to buy Rodan and Fields. <laughs> like, I don't want to. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a big part of it. And it's not, like, I buy, I buy a lot of stuff from MLMs. Like I'm not mad about the, the model yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, the, 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 that strategy. And it did at one time it worked, you know, right. and we actually wind up teaching a lot of like cold outreach strategy and stuff. But again, we teach it in a very personalized way. Cause what, what I learned, we pulled our audience multiple times and asked, what did they not like about cold outreach? And it was almost always the cold pitch right? It was mm-hmm. somebody who was trying to sell you something. And so like our number one rule is like, we don't sell anything to anybody without permission. So it is, you know, if you're going to reach out to somebody on Instagram and be like, Hey, I love your brand. I love what you guys do. I think your venue is beautiful. I love what you've created in the wedding space. And I just really like your content, right? Like that's okay to start conversations with people in that way. But what most people are used to getting is a pitch, right? They're like, right. And this does not just happen in the MLM space. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys spend any time on LinkedIn, but it's real aggressive over there. I get people trying to sell me stuff all the time. And I'm like, yeah. and again, to me, I don't mind the cold outreach, start a conversation, build a relationship, mm-hmm. but don't pitch me something and assume that you know anything about me or that I have the need for your product or the budget for your product, or I'm the decision maker for your product. Like that's right. where I think the breakdown is in cold outreach, because I believe that cold outreach is alive and well, and it can do very well if you do it differently than everybody else. I like to tease Dana about her MLM hair. I just, it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, But I think honestly, people are being pitched now. Like sales is so savvy now that people Mm -hmm. are being pitched before like eons before you even have that first conversation, right? right? They don't even know that they're being pitched. And even thinking about like the Bradford, we're pitching all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like with Instagram and our messaging and our email group or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
constantly pitching. We're constantly like creating that FOMO, like you want to be here. So they mm -hmm. are, people are constantly being sold to. And I think that that is great because I feel like it feels like more natural. It makes sales a little bit more natural. But I also, I think people are feeling like, am I being manipulated here? Like I'm constantly being sold to. So like, how do you differentiate those two? So from the, let's talk about it from the consumer perspective where you're like, yeah. am I being sold to? The answer is yes. Every time you leave the house, the yes. answer is yes. So if you're like, am I being sold to? Yes. Period. <laughs> end of. Right. Like, and like you said, I don't care if it's your lipstick. I don't care if it's like, where'd you get your sweater or tell me about your event venue, right? Like mm -hmm. we're all being pitched, but for us as, as business owners, as marketers, as salespeople, because, you know, entrepreneurship is sales, you know, for me, it's, we make offers and sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is yes. Right. And uh, we're big on like, we don't manipulate, we don't trick, we don't force, we don't do that. That doesn't work. Those strategies, they don't work anymore because people mm -hmm. are more skeptical, right? It mm -hmm. takes longer to build rapport. It takes longer to build relationships than it used to. So do manipulative sales tactics work? Totally. But I mean, focus that, like, look at the number of refunds that those companies that are using those sales tax are probably awarding versus a real, like long-term healthy sales strategy. And that's actually a lot of what we teach is is playing the long game, right? Like most of us are so busy and moving so fast that, you know, we're only focused on what's the deal I can close today and tomorrow, instead of thinking about what's the deal I'm going to close six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months down the road. So for us, it's like, you know, if the timing isn't right, the timing isn't right. I'm not going to try to convince you of that. I can't want it more than you do. So, mm -hmm. you know, when people are like, I, I see it more from the entrepreneur being fearful of like manipulating. I'm like, you can't, talk anybody in anything. Like we're two people, right. you know, nobody pulled out their credit card on accident. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Somebody should tell Stripe that, but you know, right. like nobody pulls out their credit card and enters it in on accident. And if people are requesting refunds for whatever it is you're selling them, then you have to think about what situation did I put this person in that they felt like they couldn't say no. But I find that most women err on the opposite side of that. Absolutely. They don't ask enough. They don't ask enough questions, not on the side of manipulation. But from a consumer perspective, I don't like to think of it as manipulation. It's like, yeah, you're being sold all of the time and you have a choice whether or not you want to participate in that conversation, period. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to go back, like, because I love this talk, but I'd love to go back to where in 2017, you just had a baby and you're doing what you at one point dreamed about. Like, this was my dream job. I've made it, right? And you're sitting in this, this isn't awesome. So take us back there. Take us back to not awesome. Not awesome. You know what it was. So the feeling, I remember the feeling overwhelmingly was this feeling of rush, right? Like I rushed out the door every morning. I rushed home at night. Uh, you know, I had like 60 minutes with my kid before he went to bed at night. And then after he went to bed, I rushed around to like, you know, do the dishes, put the house back together, fall into bed every Saturday morning. You know, we woke up and it was like, oh my God, we got the house cleaning, we got a grocery shop, we got to do all our things. And heaven forbid, we try to like have a social life or any of those other things. So I just remember feeling this immense feeling of rush. And at first I thought that it was normal. I was like, oh, well, I have an infant, right? Like this is normal. But then I was like, but why, why is it normal that we just bust our butts all day long you know, to spend an hour with our kids, like this, this is not life, right? Like this is not what God put me on this planet for is to rush through everything. And I wish I could say that like, oh, I had this light bulb moment and all of a sudden it was magical. But like, no, then I went through this horrible, like shame cycle um, of being, feeling guilty because on paper I had a, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do in life. I went to college. I got a degree. I climbed the ladder. I got a master's degree. I got married. I bought a house. I had baby. Like, I mean, I checked every single box and here I am at 34 years old being like, now what, like, what am I supposed mm -hmm. to do with this? And 
like I said, I, I realized the feeling in 2017, but I didn't wind up leaving my full-time job till 2019. So it took like two full years. I mean, I worked my business as a side hustle for a long time as well, but there was this giant like guilt and shame cycle of like, why can't you just be grateful for what you have? Like you have a really good life. Like, you know, you're, you're well-paid, you're not, you know, you're well taken care of in your job, you're appreciated, you know, you like your coworkers, you know, you're, my husband's a great guy, my kid's cute, like we just built a new house, you know, I'm like, all of these things adding up on paper, I should be on top of the world and I'm not. So you rejected that. So like, yes. take us back there. So, you know, obviously going to, getting to the end of guilt and shame and like, no, actually this is what I need. Like, yeah. How was that conversation with your husband? How was that conversation with your employer? How, how did you How change? brave was it to I go mean, out on your own, what right? Was, what was the change too? Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really great. My husband, God love him, is just like, cool, babe, whatever. <laughs> that was the easiest of all of the conversations. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I have always, like I worked in the startup space. So while I wasn't an entrepreneur, I worked for entrepreneurial companies. And so ebb okay. and flow and change and grow was kind of my jam. So that mm-hmm. part of me being like, I think there's something else going on here. He was like, cool. You know, cause that was pretty mm-hmm. normal for my career. Um, mm-hmm. I had like a solid two and a half year, like 10 year in startups. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Your sales system works. I'm out. Right. And like I would, I would move on. So I don't think that part was the alarming part for him at all. And even like my employer, he was not shocked when I was like, Hey, I'm out. I did it after maternity leave. So he definitely wasn't with my second kiddo. So he definitely wasn't surprised. You know, it, it was a lot of self-work. It was really getting into the mm-hmm. mindset work, the beliefs, understanding all of that, like really diving in, you know, in, in the beginning of 2019. So this is 2017 that this realization happens. 2018, I like put it out into the world that I'm starting a business. I make no money at all in 2018. And in 2019, well, the end of 2018, I find out that I'm pregnant. And so at the beginning of 2019, I'm like, okay, like I literally have like a time, I have a a clock attached to my body and I'm not coming back to work after this kid is born. God bless that sweet girl. She's like two and a half now. And if she, I can't wait till she hears all these stories when she's older. Cause like, she was always, I was like, we're not coming back. And so 2019, I invested in a business coach. I invested in a mindset coach. And I was like, I got to figure this out. And so I I had to do the tough work. Where were the beliefs? What was going on there? It was not easy and it was super scary, but it it worked out. And I think a lot of it was just, you know, I I grew up an athlete. I grew up, you know, very much a, a student of the, like, just work hard mentality, which I'm trying to unlearn right now. But so that's what I did. I put my head down and I worked hard. I worked, I got up before my, you know, my family did. And I worked, um, I got my kid out of bed, took him to daycare, went to work, worked, worked on my business over my lunch break, right? Finished my day, went home, got my kid, you know, did the things. My husband, you started putting Davis to bed and then I would work at night for two hours. Like, and that was just probably my life for like six months. And, um, but it worked. And I was able to leave uh, after my maternity leave. I didn't really even take a maternity leave. Like, well, you know, when they're tiny, they don't move very much. And then finally when it was like four or five weeks, I was like, mom, I'm going to need you to come over. And so my mom just hung out at home with me and like, you know, I had great clients. So I would, I mean, like, I would feed a baby and like, like George is good. She's right here. And that, you know, like that was a lot of my mm-hmm. life and my clients loved it. And actually a lot of people found it very inspiring. My most successful launch of that coaching program at the time, I was literally wearing Georgia because she was like six mm-hmm. weeks old, but women mm-hmm. were like, that's amazing. Like, you know, for a lot of people, yeah. and I didn't do it to be inspirational. I was doing it for survival, but it wound right. up inspiring a lot of people of like, if this woman can do this, so can I. And so that was the journey. So, and you know, we never looked back things exploded, you know, after I could hundred percent focus on, on the business 2020 was, 
it was actually a really great year in business for us. I know we talked about yeah. yesterday, 2020 was not a great year for you all, but it was a great year for me because I worked with women leaving their jobs. And so all these right. people that thought they had these secure opportunities and these secure jobs realized that they were not actually secure. Right. And so people were, you know, or they even just had time to work on a side hustle because they were working remotely. So they yeah. had more time to invest in their business. So 2020 wound up being a really incredible year for us. That was kind of the breakout year. Awesome. I love that. I, yeah. I like how you're talking about your most successful launch was when you were wearing your child and you didn't do it to be inspirational, but yet people are like, wow, like she can do this with that. And maybe I can too. And I've noticed that too, like early on in my, in our business, and we've talked about this before, I was concerned to show clients that I was anything, but whatever it is they were hiring me for. Like my sole focus is your wedding. I'm going to be your wedding planner. Like there's nothing else that's as important to me. And now we've kind of had to step back into the sales role for our event management because we were actually hiring on two like full-time W2 employees, which obviously is a commitment. Uh, March 1st, so we're like, we're going to fill their schedule before they get here. And we almost completely have. I take these calls at night sometimes. Like they're at seven, they're at 7.30, they're at eight. And I'm like, hi, 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 whatever. And I love now, I'm like, hey, just like full disclosure, like it's 7.30, I'm home. I have three kids. I have a four-month-old puppy. Like we may be interrupted, but I will get back, get right back onto it. And every single one of those people have booked, right? Like yeah. every single one. Because I think that they welcome the one, transparency and authenticity, but also they're like, wow, this is like a real person. You know, like <laughs> this is a real person in a real company that has like real life things. And I think that people respect that mm -hmm. so much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also it just gives credibility. Like you're obviously not 19 year old trying to sell me on the phone here. You're right. Have children, puppy responsibilities, mm -hmm. and they can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think that there's, we're in that seat. Like that, that was a thing for a while, right? Like mm -hmm. perfect polish, yeah. whatever. And I think that's one of the, 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 you know, if you want to look at what were the pros of, you know, 2020 is that everybody had to drop the perfect facade because they couldn't, because they were trapped at home mm -hmm. with their kids, with their families, with yeah. their puppies, with all the stuff. And there, there were no options, right? So like you yeah. can be able to go into an office and like hide all the crazy at home. And there was, you just, you couldn't do that in 2020. And so I think that, and then people started to appreciate that. And then now on social media, they've just totally overstepped the boundaries and they think they're entitled to all of your stuff. But, <laughs> uh, you know, generally speaking, I think that that's really important to people is, is realness and authenticity. And they want to work with somebody who, you know, they, they know is good at what they do, but that they can relate to like, we yeah. always say that one of our, you know, one of our core human, human needs is to feel like seen, heard and understood. And sometimes we feel that way when we see, you know, we see somebody else either doing the thing that we want to do or giving us permission to, to be a little messy. So I think that the mm -hmm. whole perfect facade thing is, is kind of overplayed in today's consumer wants, they want real, they want honest, they want open and they want good work done. And it's like, cool. If you're, if you can do good work with your kid on your hip game on. I think it's like so powerful that you have such a passion to help other women. And I think being that great example is definitely one of the ways. But why do you think it's so difficult for women to really believe in themselves and to take that leap and follow their dreams? Because we have been taught to put ourselves last uh, pretty much our entire lives, right? Mm -hmm. I literally recorded an entire podcast for my show um, about this the other day. Like we have been programmed to put ourselves last in every area. And it starts very young, right? Like we're supposed to, you know, we're not supposed to interrupt and we're not supposed to say what we mean. And we don't want to offend that person. And, you know, for me, I was always, I talked too much. I was too loud. I was intimidating. I was always taught to like, 
make myself small. So that person's not uncomfortable. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not mad at anybody. Like they were just doing the best they can. And my mom and I talk about it often. Cause I'm like, mama, I say a lot of things on the internet and I know that it's not your fault. You were just doing the best that you could with what you had, but <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, but that's what we were taught to do is fall in line, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. want to be liked, you want to be successful. These are, this is the way to do that. And it was always in a way where everybody else's needs came before our own. So this whole idea of I can chase my dreams, I can do what I want. I can create whatever I want. It's terrifying because we've been told our entire lives that you can do that once everybody else's needs are met. And there's never a time when everybody else's needs are met. Your kids, your mm-hmm. spouse, your puppy, your employees, your whatever, you know, like there, there's never a time in life. And I, I jokingly said this the other day that like the only people that get this right are the airlines. Like they're the only people that tell you to put your mask on first before you put on somebody else's, but there's nobody else giving women that message. Or if they do, it's wrapped up in like self-care and face masks. And I'm like, while that is lovely, we love face masks and bubble baths. I'm a big fan of those things. But like true self-care is asking yourself, what do I want? What would make me happy? You know, what does success look like to me? And then even if it's two minutes a day, you know, Mm -hmm. doing that thing or spending time alone daydreaming about that thing, you know, like to me, that is true Mm -hmm. self-care, right? It's not about going through the motions. It's asking yourself, what do I want? How can I serve myself today? And we're just not taught to do that as mm-hmm. a society. Um, I feel like we, we teach, we teach boys to do that. We teach men to do that very well, but with women, when we do that, we're told we're selfish. So I think that is why so many women have such a hard time chasing their dreams. I totally agree. Yeah. I feel like that's like, I, and I think that is honestly the biggest, uh, hole in most people's life is that, is what, what are you doing for you? And I, um, and I totally, totally resonate with that. And I think Mm -hmm. it is really hard. And I, I, for me, like the phase of life I'm in now is people like, what do you want? What's going to make you feel successful? And I don't know the answer. Like, I don't know. And it's not that I'm afraid to say it. It's not that I am afraid of what, what could come. I literally have no idea. Like we were interviewing somebody and they were talking about how their partnership. And one of the things that's really healthy for their partnerships is they have each have kind of like a side hustle that they do. That's just theirs and whatnot. And Courtney's like, Oh, I would do X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what would you do? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I don't, I can't even think outside the confines of my life right now that I can't, I can't think of it. And I think it's that it's where it's to me, the beginning of burnout, depression, where you can't dream when you Mm -hmm. stop dreaming about things and you stop thinking about who you want to be and where you want to go is where you're like, Hey, this is like a red flag. Like this is, you know, something you need to be addressing in your life. And, you know, and, and I feel that. And I, and I, I said that to my husband the other night, I was like, I cannot continue on this pace Mm-mm. anymore. No, I, I totally get that. I think a lot of women, I feel like I wound up in that space last, um, last summer. Uh, it's like July. I tell the story. It took me a while to be able to tell the story, but like, I was literally like sitting on the floor in the shower crying. My husband's like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. You're like, all indications are pointing to no, I'm not okay. What's wrong? I'm like, I have no idea, you know? And it it was, it was a journey. I mean, it taught, it took a solid six months and investing heavily in coaching and really like digging, digging deep. But I do think I've, I, I hate that that's the red flag, but yeah, when you stop dreaming, when it's just like, I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other, I definitely think that is a red flag. And as most women, we just ignore those red flags. And we just keep pushing and we just keep going. But yeah, I I would have never told you, like, I was like, I'm not a burnout person. You know, my life is really great, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, no, that's where I was at. I'm burnout Mm -hmm. for sure. I think the gratefulness is the hardest part because when I look around and I look around, I'm like, I am so unbelievably grateful. I'm grateful for everything that I have. But, and it's like you, 
Yeah. And we've said this often, like living in the tension of the and, not the or. Like I, I am grateful and I am mm-hmm. having a hard time or I'm happy and I'm sad. And as much as I can say it and I'm like, live in the tension, it's fine. It's so hard to do because mm-hmm. it's so hard to rationalize it. And I don't know if, again, it goes back to like, you know, being younger, being told like you can only have one of those emotions. Right. Like, yeah. you know, if you're ungrateful, if you're oh, if you're like upset, that means you're not grateful. And right. then like, that's just not how I feel about it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. One of uh, the core values that we talk about a lot is both and right. It's not an either mm-hmm. or it's a both. And we, I try to live by that all the time and all the decisions that I make. Right. Like, and I do think we're told that you can have a successful career or be a great mom. Right. You can be, you can be a good wife or you can make a lot of money. Like those are the things that were taught from a very young age. Um, I mean, I would say my, my youngest is two and a half. And what did she say to me the other day? She decided to potty train herself, which is not awesome, but it's fine. But no, she, she, this isn't a both and situation, but this is kind of where we we project our emotions on to, to children. So she, you know, she potties and she's all excited and she's washing her hands. She goes, mommy, I said, my Miss Kaylee is her teacher's name. Miss Kay, I'm gonna make Miss Kaylee so happy. And I was like, nope, 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 not your job to miss like to make Miss Kaylee happy. Like, mm-mm. yeah, you know, like it's Miss Kaylee's job to be happy. You can be proud of yourself, you can be happy, like you can all of those things, but it's not your job to make Miss Kaylee happy. Um, and I mean, I love my children's teachers, but they are, I think, taught that like, oh, this is gonna make me happy. I'm like, it's not your job to make me happy. It's not my job. Like, you know, my son is almost well, he just turned five actually, and he'll tell me, You made me mad, mommy. I'm like, Well, you don't like my actions, but you're responsible for your emotions. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of looks at me like a little crazy. But I'm like, if I can, if I can teach them this at five and two or get them to think critically that maybe they won't be, you know, in their mid-30s trying to figure out what the hell to do with them their their lives because they haven't been told, you know, indoctrinated in that emotion. I gotta make other people happy. I gotta put other people first, you know, I just gotta do the things. Cause I mean, it happens at such a young age. It's so true. And we're, and we're in even even in like a young adulthood, right? Like I remember yeah. going through psychology classes and they're like, oh, you wanna talk to somebody you need to own you say like I feel mm-hmm. that this way basically implying that you are making me feel this right like right. that like I feel like you are blah 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 or I feel sad because of xyz or whatever and like well they can't and the whole reasoning was is because they can't tell you how you feel right and and I get that but at the same time you're also blaming them for that emotion of right. it. and my husband says it all the time. He's like I can't control your emotions. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sorry you feel that way. Like I can't yeah. control that. And I'm like that's not that's not what I'm trying to say, you know. Right. But it's so true. I mean it's it's definitely and I, and I love that. I love that you're saying it to your kids. I'm totally going to steal that by yeah. the way. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> you can be and I mean Georgia will say it. That makes me sad, mommy, and I'm like I'm so, I'm sorry that you're feeling sad. Uh, what makes you sad, you know, and then we'll talk through it and it'll calm her down. But yeah, I'm like, tell me you're sad. That's cool. Like, I don't, I try really hard. It's hard. You know, I mean, you guys know you have kids. It's hard to not just be like, I just need you to stop crying and get in the car, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, (laughs) but it's like, okay, well, tell me about your feelings. I try really hard to not Mm -hmm. shove away their feelings or dismiss their feelings or tell them how they can feel. um, Because I, I do think it's a large part of why we are where we are as a society right now. I totally agree with that. We yeah. love to ask this question, like for businesses in general, um, did you ha- ever have an oh shit moment in your business? Like in the entrepreneurship journey where you were like, oh shit, I'm in over my head. Like, what have I done? I've upended all of this and this may or may not work out. Yeah. 
every day. Is that a thing? Every day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, plenty of oh shit moments. Most of them around like staff and growth. Like that has always been okay. the scariest part for me. Again, I think it's the athlete in me. Like I'm totally prepared to bet on myself, but it was like the responsibility, like when the team started to grow and hiring people and then having to fire people, like those were always my oh shit moments were always around oh, yeah. team and being a leader and all the other things. So, I mean, I think, and even, you know, taking on starting a second business with the first business and the first, the second business started to blow up. And then it was like, oh shit, what do we do with this? I like, there's been a lot mm-hmm. of those moments, but for me, I would say the most profound ones were always around like team and staff and realizing like, oh shit, now I'm responsible for other humans. And, um, you've had to do a lot of work on like, again, not my responsibility, you know, like they have a job, they work here. They were looking for a job and they found I'd had to do a lot of work. I'm like, it's not my job to make sure that this, this, and this, it's my job to lead the company. It's my job to put out good stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I can only control what I can control. So those are most of my own shit moments are around like team. I will agree with that. (laughs) It's even the same way. I mean, we've hired lots of people. Yeah, We've been through I mean, lots of great people, people that have moved on because they moved away or whatever and had to hire more people. And it became less and less scary. But even with these hires with C&D, there is still like a lot of like thought and tension to work through. Like, is this, do I want one person? Do I want two people? Like there's still a little bit of that, even with great practice, that Mm -hmm. hesitancy and bringing someone in new, like what's this going to do to our office environment? Like, how are they going to respond to X, Y, Z? Like, these well, people know are crazy. This person doesn't, you know, like yeah. all those things. And I also think that when you're hiring for like a new job description, like maybe you're not replacing somebody, but you're like, okay, this yeah. is a hole in my company. Mm-hmm. It makes you peel back the layers of that part. And sometimes it's really ugly. <laughs> and I think that's where we are too right now. It's like, okay, like I'm starting to really dive deep into how this process works. And I mean, I think on a daily basis, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, why <laughs> have we been doing it this way? Like, why, why is this how this works? Like, this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And so then, and so now you're like, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to train them in the way that we've been doing it. Cause I don't like it. And so let's right. go back to it. So there's, there's that part too, which I think, and I think there's always those moments where you're like, oh shit, like what have we been putting out there? Like you just realize like, okay, this is not great. And at the same time, like I'm grateful for that sure. because obviously I don't want it to be un like dysfunctional for five years. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's a good thing we're doing this, but it's always painful yeah. in the middle of it. So Ooh. painful. Well, I think I'm going to end on a positive note here. So what's one thing that you have learned about yourself since you've started your business? There have been a lot of things, but the the one that I would say that I I hold on to most is that like, I am extremely resilient and there is nothing that I cannot Mm -hmm. figure out or will not figure out. I think I've always known that, but I've always had, I hate to call them training wheels, but it was the training wheels, right? And it was like, oh, somebody else's business, and it's working out, it's okay, you know, or I can leave or I can go find another job. So like, but just like that resilience of like, there's, I will always find a solution. Like there is no news you can give me or thing you can tell me or rug that you can rip out from under me um, mm-hmm. at this point that I don't believe I can figure out a way to work through. I think resiliency and tenacity are like the top two Mm -hmm. attributes for entrepreneurs. Like you have to be able to like bend and flex and you have to be able to bounce back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, tell us how our listeners can find you and where they can reach out. If they too are trying to take back their time, you might get a, where can can Dana call you? (laughs) Yeah. No. So the best place to connect um, on social media, we're at Ryan Dowdy official. It's Ryan with two ends. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, again, it's Ryan Dowdy with two ends. Um, our great social media is a great place for, for us to connect. Um, currently, we are 
fixing some behind the scene things on the website. So that's why I'm not sending you to the website directly because mm-hmm. we're making some changes back end there. Um, yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm an open networker. I like to talk to people. You can pop into my DMs. Don't try to pitch me, but if you try to start a conversation, I'll always be very kind. So <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, it has been great today. I yeah, have loved so this good. conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you both thank for you the so opportunity for and um, a great candid, uh, candid conversation that I think that we need more of. Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Ryan, we are drinking an old fashioned. We hope we get the chance to make it this week and cheers to both and. To learn more and connect with Ryan, you can visit her business on Instagram at Social Sellers Academy and by visiting her account at Ryan Dowdy Official. You can also learn more by visiting socialsellersacademy.com and make sure you check out our podcast, Be in the Room with Ryan Dowdy. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.